0: morning morning. how are you all this morning you all fired up ready to go encouraged in the lord rejoicing in him wonderful good place to be turn back to john chapter 11 we're going to continue our look at this seventh of the seven signs that the lord gave that they might believe that he is that He is the Son of God, and that believing they might have life through His name. So we're going to read this account once again. We're going to read the same verses we've read the last couple of weeks, and hopefully next week we'll move on to the next section. We have this week and two more weeks to go, and so we're hoping to to move uh, to get some thoughts that I want to cover here this morning, and then move on to the next section next week, Lord willing. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. Are you going there again? "'Jesus answered, "'Are there not twelve hours in the day? "'If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble "'because he sees the light of this world. "'But if one walks in the night, he stumbles "'because the light is not in him. "'These things he said, and after that he said to them, "'Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him.' "'Then his disciples said, "'Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well.' "'However, Jesus spoke of his death.' But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again, and the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Father, we are thankful to you that you have given to us your word. We're thankful for the things that we have learned about you and about your son. We're thankful, Father, for your spirit, which illuminates the word to our hearts and minds. We pray, Lord, that you would lead and guide and direct by thy spirit this morning so that if anything of any eternal value will take place this morning, it will be because your spirit has been at work. And so we commit it into your care. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever found life to be just a bit confusing at times? Have you ever found life to be just a bit bewildering at some times? You know, you you think you have everything in line. You think you're sailing right along in smooth seas. You're going along, everything's in order. You're seeing everything ahead of you. You're saying, oh, I can't wait to this. I can't wait to that. I'm looking forward to retirement. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to the next thing. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, a strong wind comes. You're sailing along, and now you've got a headwind that's pushing at you. And you have learned, you have learned that you cannot change the wind. But you have also learned that you can adjust the sails. And I wish I had come up with that on my own. There was a placemat I saw someplace. (laughs) You cannot change the wind, but you can adjust the sails. I thought that was good. Because it really speaks of what we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are doing continuously in our life. Have you been confused? Have you been at a point in your life where you're saying, I don't know what the Lord is doing. I don't understand why he has allowed this to be. I don't understand why... Everything I've been trying to do, I've been trying to live a way that honors him. I've been trying to live in a way that brings him glory. And yet this temptation or this trial has come into my life. I thought I had overcome this thing. And here it is again facing me. The wind is in my face again. And it's time to adjust the sails yet again. Yet again, it's time to adjust the sails. Life is just like that. It's like that. You cannot predict tomorrow. You think you have everything in line. You think you know what tomorrow is going to be. But you cannot with absolute certainty know what tomorrow will bring. And the Lord from time to time has been our theme as we've been working through this portion. The Lord from time to time will just rise up and surprise us with something and sometimes the surprises are not things that we really want to be surprised with but nevertheless there they are and now it's time to adjust now it's time to get away from what we had planned and see what the lord is doing yeah i I, i'm quite certain I, i think i'm i can say with certainty that every one of you in this room has experienced this in one shape or form if you haven't just wait it's coming there's going to be a time where you're going to be struggling along wondering what is it lord what do you want from me and years and years can go by and the lord is still working in that one area in your life. What is it, Lord? And he surprises us. Along the way, we're just kind of living life. Day after day after day, living our lives. Going through the normal routines of work, the normal routines of eating and drinking, of our entertainment, whatever that may be time spent with family, raising children, enjoying grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And you're just kind of going along in life. And don't misunderstand me, that is good. That is good. Living your life. And along the way, there is love. Along the way, there is love in these relationships that develop between husbands and wives, between brothers and sisters. Love develops. And love creates this almost mystical bond between people. It's deeper in some relationships than it is in others. But it has this bond that holds us together. We might mourn the loss of a close friend. We might mourn the loss of a relative but we would deeply grieve and we deeply grieve at the loss of an intimate family member it's different and we know it's different and some of us have experienced that we can try and put a good christian face on it but inside the loss can be great and the grief can be lasting Changing from time to time, but lasting. And we miss them dearly. Went down to the Center Cemetery last couple weeks ago just to stand over my mom and dad's gravesite, just to stand over my sister Lori and Billy's gravesite, and just to remember. And you know, it's been a lot of years now, hasn't it, Aaron? It's been a lot of years. But you know what? still miss them deeply. I do. God surprises us. Elizabeth Colbert Ross wrote once, the reality is that you will grieve forever. You will not get over the loss of a loved one. You will learn to live with it. You will heal and you will rebuild yourself around the loss you have suffered. You will be whole again. But you will never be the same, nor should you be the same, nor would you want to be the same. It's what love does. It's what love does. But then we have a story like this that steps into the narrative and brings hope in the midst of all of those sorrows and hardships. And God surprises us. The Lord Jesus surprises us. He surprises us in the things that he says. He surprises us in the things that he does. You remember from our past lessons and you remember from simply reading the account that when the Lord arrives outside of Bethany, Lazarus has been in the grave years. Days. Now you remember that the that he waited two days before even going down. He heard that his friend Lazarus is the one that he loved was sick, and as we looked at in the last couple of weeks, he waited two days. He waited two days before even going down. You know, I I I think, and maybe I'm wrong in your life, but I think that oftentimes. When we ask God for something, we want him to act now. You do it now. I don't want to wait till next week. I don't want to wait till next month. I don't want to wait for 10 years. I want to know it now. And the Lord very often is more interested in the process of what he's doing and whether that process will take two years, three years, two weeks, one day, whatever the process is, he is more interested in the process of what he is doing in your life to change you and to change me. Last week, we talked about that. We talked about that prayer changes things, or does it? It does change things, but it's on God's timetable and not our own. And we need to learn to be those who are waiting for, on the will of the lord to be done in our lives see how easy that was to say but you know how hard it is to live you know how hard it can be to live four days had gone by and that's stressed the number of times four days have passed by process is the teacher The Lord is teaching them through the process of their initial grieving. He is teaching them in process. Experience sometimes is the best teacher. Experience is the best teacher. Would you agree with that? Without experience, we're mere theorists. This is what it says. But now put it into practice and you're no longer a theorist. You are one who is experiencing reality. And the Lord will not have you be a theorist. And that's why he brings these tests. That's why he brings life along. That's why sometimes the headwinds get strong. Because he will not have you remain a theorist. He wants you to live by what you believe. He wants you to act and live by what you believe. It's kind of like... I thought of this illustration, whether it fits or not, you can be the judge. And if you judge it, it doesn't fit, just don't tell me. I was thinking the other day about, about this whole idea of experience being the great teacher. I have sat under the teaching, especially when I was younger, I sat under the teaching of some men, young men, maybe out of seminary, maybe out of Bible school, who would teach you All about what it was like to be a husband. What it was like to raise children. What you need to do when you raise their children. But they had no wife. They had no children. And it's like, um, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you can go through the scripture and you can lay out the principles of the word of God because they never change. But you don't know. You don't know. By experience, what it is to raise children. And oftentimes later on, they'll get married and they'll have children and they'll come back and say, You know what, I told you before, hey, it's different. <laughs> I remember my daughter, and I'm sure she got this from somewhere, but she said, I said, My child will never. And then he never, never, like he never, never before. Kids are like that, they're not predictable. And so it is. Experience teaches us. And he wanted to teach these sisters. He wanted to teach the people who were around. For when he prayed, it was for them to hear. He knew the Father always heard, but it was for these people to hear. Last week in Choice Gleaning's calendar, some of you may have read it, It said, waiting on God is never easy, but often God's delays are God's opportunities. His timing is in perfect harmony with His will for us. His power is not limited from acting immediately, but waiting may bring more glory to Him. Are we learning to be patient? Oh, it's a lifelong struggle with me. But are we learning to be patient and waiting on the Lord? He arrives on the scene, and we've read the story. We've read the narrative. And when he arrives on the scene, they are in the middle of that Jewish morning time called Shiva. This is the traditions that have been passed down. There's actually five traditions Four, depending on how you want to number them, stages or parts of mourning. And and we were talking about this, Dawn just uh, last Sunday, I think. Dawn reminded me about Shiva. And so you have these five stages of mourning that goes on in, in Judaism. Five different stages that go on. Now, the first one, the first period is Aninut, and, and Steve Herzik will, will forgive me for butchering Hebrew as I go through this. But that is a time in that first 24 hours when the grieving is tremendous. That is when there's the loud wailings. That is when there's the beating on the chest and the loud wailings and mourning and weeping. During that 24-hour period when the, when the shock is still real of a life that is gone. And then they are buried within that first 24 hours. Typically, that is what is happens. Now, in modern-day Judaism here in the States, sometimes that's not the case. But in in Israel, even to this day, 24 hours, and they are buried. So think about this, if you will. When When the messengers arrived, when the messengers arrived to tell... Jesus and the disciples that Lazarus was sick. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago that in all likelihood, he had already died because there was the two-day delay. There was a day getting out to him. There was the day coming back and there was a two-day wait. In all likelihood, that warning and weeping and wailing was going on unbeknownst to the messengers when the message was received by the Lord Jesus. The Lord knew. He knew the timing. He knew what was going on. And he hears that Lazarus is sick. And he knows that Lazarus has died or will die shortly thereafter. And he waits those two days. Now, Shiva, the second stage of this mourning process, goes on for seven days. Seven days of Shiva. And that first three days this is where the breakdown comes, whether you see three, whether you see four or five Shiva, the first three days are a time where the women and the family stay inside their home, they stay inside their home for the whole first seven days, where they stay inside their home after the body has been buried. And they mourn. Those first three days are more private mourning and weeping among the family. They're sitting on low stools, almost to the ground. They're covered in mirrors so they can't see a reflection of themselves. So that their thinking would not be of themselves or things going on around them, but would be concentrating on the one that they have lost. And Mary and Martha, and, and a point to be made is during this time, you did not leave the house. You did not go out in tradition. Mary and Martha were staying in a house that was Lazarus' house. We don't know what happened to, we don't know if Mary and Martha were married. We don't have any way of knowing that. We don't know if now because Lazarus was dead what their condition was going to be in Jewish law. But we know that they in Shiva would be staying in the house. The fourth day comes along. And now Jesus goes down and he finds that Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. The second part of that Shiva has begun. And in that second part of Shiva, they begin to open the door. They unlock the door of their home. And visitors can come in now to see the grieving ones. All sitting low on the ground. The, the door is open and they come in quietly no one knocks no one rings the doorbell if they had doorbells or rang a bell they come in silently some bring some food some bring some things like you might see even today here and they would come in and just try to comfort and mourn for the next four days they would do this martha hears the Lord has come and these two women are in their house and according to tradition, they are to remain there in that house during this time of Shiva. Martha hears that the Lord Jesus has come and she gets up and leaves. You know, and anyone saw her leaving, it was probably like, Where, where's Martha going? And, but they stay with Mary because Mary's still there. And they stay with Mary, but Martha leaves and she goes out. And we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment. So then you have those seven days of, of Shiva. And then you go to the next period of mourning, which is for 30 days. Now, all of this is cumulative. So seven days goes into the 30 days. And so you have 30 days of mourning. They had, ripped their, they had torn their garments on the first day. And now they were going to still wear those torn garments, but they were going to be reintroduced back into society. They would start doing normal things again. They would get out and visit again. They would get out and see people, but they would still remain in this mourning state for 30 days. The last stage, or the fifth stage, or fourth, depending on how you want to number them, is 12 months. At the end of 12 months... Things have returned to normal. At the end of 12 months, they are no longer to grieve. At the end of 12 months, they are to gather, go back to the grave, gather the bones of their dead loved one, gather the bones together. Sometimes they would put them in an ossuary box. Sometimes they would just go to where the bones are deposited and lay the bones down. And that was the end of their mourning. The Lord enters in at the fourth day. The fourth day. Mary, Martha comes out to see him. Lord, Lord. If you had been here. If you had come when we summoned you. My brother would not have died. My brother would not have died. But I know that whatever you ask of God, he will do. Whatever you ask of God, he will do. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Did you see what the Lord Jesus said to the disciples back? You know, we're backtracking just a little bit, but it fits into this whole narrative. Did you see what he said to his disciples? He said, after he told them, our, our, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may awaken and they misunderstand him as they often do. And as we often do. You know, sometimes we criticize the disciples for misunderstanding the statements of the Lord. And sometimes we make the same mistakes. Misinterpret verses to mean something they don't mean at all. But the Lord comes, he he says to them, he says to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now here's the first surprise. And then he says to them, and I'm glad. I'm rejoicing. You know, that must have taken them back a little bit, you know? You know, Lazarus is dead. Oh, man, I'm sorry, Lord. Is, is he, yeah. I'm rejoicing. I'm glad for your sake that he's dead. Because you're going to see the glory of God. You're going to see the glory of God demonstrate it. You're fearful of going back to the city because you're afraid I'm going to get stoned again and you're going to lose your lives with me. But you're going to see the glory of God demonstrated. You know, I wonder, sometimes we are the same way. You know, the Lord Lord has given us, you know, the the statement that the Lord makes, he makes that statement again. uh, uh, Please forgive me if I forget, but I think it's in chapter seven where he talks to them again about, there's 12 hours in the day. You have 12 hours in the day. And while there's still light, you should work because then the other 12 hours, they divide it in half, is darkness and people aren't working in the dark, which was typical in those days. He says, You have 12 hours of light. Do what you can do in those 12 hours. And I think the principle for us is this the principle for us is this. My brothers and sisters, you have this much life, this is your lifespan. You're somewhere in here in this lifespan. But this is all you got. Before you go home to be with the Lord as a believer. What are you doing in the light? With the time that you've been given. The time is passing quick. Some of us know that more than others in this room. Time is passing quick. And you don't get it back. You have 12 hours of daylight. Walk while there's still light. Walk in faith. Walk in belief. Walk in obedience. While you still are walking in the light. Because the darkness is coming. (laughs) The time is ending. And it's going to come quick. Quicker than we think. It's going to come upon us. Walk in the light, but I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. I'm glad that I wasn't there, that you may believe, that you may believe. Oftentimes, oftentimes, the Lord in the trials that he believes into our lives the trials that he puts before us, those head winds that blow that cause us to adjust the sails, oftentimes it is so that you will believe. That you will believe. That you will trust him in the midst of hardship. Trust him in the midst of storm. Commit yourself to his will and purpose for your life. Over the last few years, I think that phrase has passed my lips more than any other in things that happen in my life, things that come upon me, things that I deal with in ministry in different places. Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. I can try and fix things, but I don't want to try and fix things. I want your will to be done. I want your purpose to be done. So guide and direct in accordance with your will. Your brother will rise again. Oh, standing by those gravestones just a couple of weeks ago, remembering my sister Lori, remembering Billy, remembering my mom and dad, I could say in my heart, they will rise again. They will rise again, just as the Lord has promised. And Martha said to him, I know. I know he'll rise again at the last day. Her theology was good, just like your theology is good. You know, as I stood over those tombs, that they will rise again. Uh, But Jesus had something new, something surprising to happen for them that day. And he said, he said unto her, she said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And then Jesus said, unto her. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me though he die, he will live. And whoever lives in me lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? I am the resurrection and the life. All resurrection is because of me. All life is because of me. In me resides resurrection. In me resides life. All of it is in me. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Believe in me. Believe in me. And you shall never die. Remember when this whole thing started. The Lord said, as, the, as those messengers came, this sickness is not unto death. I thought Lazarus died. Oh, this sickness was, went through death. It went through death, but came out of the grave alive. And so will you, and so will I, if the Lord be not come before we die. We will go through death. But that moment I close my eyes, I will be in the presence of the Lord. And I will never be separated from Him forever and ever. I am, the Lord said, the resurrection and the life. I am believe that do you believe it do you believe it father we're thankful we're thankful that your son has come into this world to save sinners like us we're thankful father that he is indeed the resurrection and the life and we have placed our faith and trust in him and we know that we shall never die We shall never be separated from you. Oh, Father, we are so thankful for the hope that you've given to us. We're so thankful, Father, in the winds of trial and hardship, in the winds of surprise that come into our lives, we lay hold on the truth that you are the resurrection and life. May we trust and rest in you in the hard times of life, because this isn't all there is. There's so much more ahead of us. And we lift up our eyes unto the hills from whence comes our strength. Our strength is in the Lord who made heaven and earth. And one day we will be with you forever. We give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.